When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another Fans First Football Show. Here after week three, we're talking about all the games on Sunday. And there was a lot to discuss. I'm Jeff Hartman, one of the hosts here. Joining me as always, Rob Stats Carrera. Rob, victory Monday for you. What's up? What's going on, Jeff? How are you? I'm not good, but thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) But you are, and let's start with that. Let's get right out of the gates with your San Francisco 49ers, the game of the week. They travel across country to the Philadelphia Eagles and blow their doors off in the second half. And I, we talked a little bit before we, we started live here and I said, man, I wanted to see a really competitive game. And by the time the Steelers game finally ended and I was able to turn over to this unbelievable NFC matchup, my gosh, the 49ers were running away with it. What's your knee jerk reaction to this game? The 49ers are the best team in the NFL. And I have said it all year when they play their best, Nobody can beat them. And it's not particularly close, Jeff. The Niners had negative six yards in the first quarter as a team. Negative six. The other three quarters, they had 462 yards and averaged 9.1 yards per play and scored touchdowns on six straight offensive possessions. The only time the Eagles stopped them was when the Niners put in Sam Darnold at the end of the game to kneel it up. After that... (laughs) They destroyed the Eagles in every sense of the word after the first quarter. So as a 49ers fan, which you obviously are, is there also, you know, you just said, and I agree with you. I think the 49ers are the most complete team in the NFL. And, but that losing streak still happened. So what's, what changed? What, what got this team back on track? Was it just a health thing with Debo Samuel returning to the, to the lineup? It's to me, it's gotta be a little bit more than that. What is it? Was, is there anything tangible? Debo and Trent being out was definitely a factor, yes, but also their defense needed a little time to get right. Their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, is not running his system. He's running the D'Amico Ryan's Robert Sala system, and he admitted he's still learning how to call games. He did not match up the pass rush with the coverage. He had a lot of blitzes called with a lot of soft zone coverage, so it was giving the other team easy answers, so the pass rush couldn't get home. Now, the 49ers are not doing that. They've improved their coverage in the secondary. They're matching the two, so the pass rush gets time to to rush the passer. And the offense is scoring so many damn points that the other team has to pass. And so the Niners can kind of pin their ears back and eat. And honestly, uh, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches with this team right now, how many weapons they have. Anybody that catches the ball could go for a touchdown on any play. Yeah. And so let's let's look at the other side of the field. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're they're 10 and 2, and they're still a really good team. But we've kind of talked about this on this show before, and we mentioned it on my NFL whip around with Kevin Smith on Tuesdays. It just felt like we're waiting for the other we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it felt like it happened. You know, they, they were winning games, they were close, one score games, sometimes being outgained. 
And then it just looked like, okay, here they go up against this really great opponent in the San Francisco 49ers, but they were at home. And to lay an egg like that, what does this tell you about the Eagles? Are they the legit 10 and two team that we all think, or is it all smoke and mirrors? No, I think there's something to being able to pull games out at the end, but that's not an area where you want to live, right? You much rather be where the 49ers were, which is up by multiple scores in the fourth quarter. It's hard to keep asking your team to dig themselves out of this hole every single week. And, you know, the, look, the, the Eagles defense has not really been, certainly not what they were last year by any stretch of the imagination. But they gave up 42 to the Niners. They gave up 34 to the Bills. They only gave up 27 to the Chiefs. And they gave up 23 to the Cowboys. But they also gave up 31 to the Commanders. So you can have success against this Eagles defense we have seen. And so you're asking a lot to Jalen Hurts to be awesome pretty much every single week. Yeah. Now, this was such a big game for the 49ers because now that they win this contest, they're at nine and three. They're still behind the Eagles, but the Eagles have the Cowboys coming up next week. And that is going to be a Sunday nighter, 820. As a 49ers fan, what, where's, where's your rooting interest in this game? I mean, you're rooting, were you rooting for the Cowboys? I mean, you have the head to head win. You want the Eagles to come down. Yeah. Yes, because if the Niners win next week against Seattle, which they're 12 and a half point favorites, I believe against the Seahawks. Um, the Niners will be the number one seed. Cause they have the head to head win over Dallas. They have the head to head win over Philly and they have the tiebreaker against the lions right now, which is better conference record. So I'm absolutely rooting for Dallas yeah. a thousand percent because I want that number one seed. I mean, it's so crazy. You get the bye week, you win one home playoff game and then you're competing for the super bowl. Like that's, the, the reality of that situation. So it will pain me to root for the Cowboys because I hate them with a fiery passion. But for this one week, go Dallas. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is since they went to the seven, seven team plan and all this stuff with the, uh, the added wild card, that only the only one team getting that by means it is, you know, it used to be the top two teams get buys and the wild yes. card weekend was different. Totally changes everything. I love the perspective. Let's let's stay with the hot hand, so to speak, with these recaps as we transition to the Sunday night game where the Green Bay Packers beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27 to 19, a game that I don't think anyone saw happening. But that's not what everyone is talking about here on Monday. They are talking about these what they're blown calls. They are blown calls. But for both teams, like the, the Packers fans that win, they, you know, the Packers are six and six. Now they're still very much in the mix for maybe a wild card in the NFC. The Chiefs dropped down to eight and four. They're now staring up at the Baltimore Ravens and I believe the can uh, the Miami Dolphins as well in the AFC. But there were blown calls for both of these teams. The Chiefs are going to say that was defensive pass interference. It was. The the Packers are going to look at things and say, how are you going to flag uh, unnecessary roughness on Patrick Mahomes on the sideline when he should be considered a runner and they hit him in bounds? Rob, what's your takeaway from this game? This was insane. When I I didn't I didn't stay up and watch it. I'm not going to lie, but I did watch a lot of the highlights afterwards. It was just weird. I don't want to totally just ignore what the Packers are doing and what Jordan Love is doing because he played well in this game. But I cannot stand the philosophy that so many people have of, well, it's the end of the game. I want the officials to let him play. At the end of the game, when the plays are at their most meaningful, why do we decide? Let's just not enforce any of the rules. It's never made sense to me. I don't understand it. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes said it after the game. I'd rather you let the guys play and let the guys win it on the field. 
I don't understand that to me. That doesn't make any sense. Why the rules change. All we want from the officials is consistency, right? You've got three quarters of however the officials are calling the game, whether it's tight, whether it's loose, whatever. And then all of a sudden we change that in the fourth quarter and down the stretch of the game. I don't like it. I thought it was a pass interference on Marcus Valdez scaling. Although let's be fair. If he was untouched at all, there's a chance the damn guy drops the ball anyway. We don't know. (laughs) But I thought it was a bad call on the Mahomes going out of bounds. I don't think that should have been a 15-yard penalty. I thought it was a missed pass interference on MBS. And I thought at the end of the game, I mean, the Hail Marys, Hail Marys are a joke. You can mug somebody on a Hail Mary, and you're not getting a flag. They will never call it. So it's frustrating to me because you can say, I don't want the officials to decide the game. But by not calling penalties, they are deciding the game. They have an impact either way. There is a, there is one part of this I want to discuss with you in one specific play, and that is the Patrick Mahomes penalty as he was going out of bounds. These mobile quarterbacks, and I wouldn't say Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys. He can run when he has to, and he's definitely mobile enough. He's not a runner. He's not a Lamar Jackson. He's not a Michael Vick back in the day. Guys that would drop back, plant their foot, and run. When you have quarterbacks like that, This is making it almost impossible for defenders. I've seen Lamar Jackson, as an AFC North fan, tiptoe the sideline for an extra 10 to 12 yards because a defender let him go and he stays in bounds. And then if he peels him on the sideline, like they tried to do in Green Bay last night, he gets flagged. It's a lose-lose situation. I feel like, and even though the the NFL rules state that when the quarterback leaves the pocket, he's, he's deemed a runner, that's not the case. They don't call it that way. I just find it more and more difficult to understand how any defender can play defense in the NFL anymore. Especially Mahomes. Mahomes is really good at like ringing out all the possible yards on every scramble. He does it where he fully takes advantage of kind of letting up a little bit and he sees the defender ease off and then he takes off for more yards. He's very good at kind of just doing things just for the sake of tricking the defender and so he can gain a couple more yards. So I don't blame the Packers for hitting him. Absolutely no, don't blame absolutely. it at all. It, it, it's it's a lose-lose situation, like I said. But these officials, it, we said this before we went live, it's almost as if they're turning into to NHL officials. Now, I don't know if you're a big hockey guy, Rob, but uh, you know I grew up playing the game and I watched the NHL and I, I like hockey, especially in the playoffs. When it gets into the third period, there might be two minutes left. The whistles are gone. They are not calling anything. You would have to try and decapitate a player <laughs> to, to even serve a two-minute minor, let alone anything egregious. It seems like the NFL's trending in that direction. And like you said, the rules are the rules. Regardless of when it happens in the contest, shouldn't matter. If it's a false start in the first quarter, it should be a false start in the fourth quarter. You don't just let them get away with it. That's what sucks about this Sunday night game is that it's been marred by these the inconsistent officiating in the National Football League. We're not talking about the Packers and Jordan Love. We're not talking about the Chiefs losing. We're talking about blown calls. That sucks. And it's a bad look for the league because the eyes of the world are on that Sunday night game. Yes. Right? I mean, that everybody is watching that. Players around the league are watching it. We see people respond with tweets and stuff when, when stuff goes down on Sunday night. And yeah. It's it's not what you want as a league. You don't want people talking about the officiating when you had your marquee, like the face of the league, Patrick Mahomes, competing and trying to drive down at the end of the game to get his team a victory. And you know what? Shout out to the Packers, too. Like, yeah. they played well in the game. They scored touchdowns on three of their first four drives. And how about this little nugget that I came across this morning? Matt LaFleur has never lost a game in December as head coach of the Packers. He's six 
16 and 0. There's only been one team that has ever won more consecutive December games, and that was the San Diego Chargers, who won 18 straight from 2006 to 2009. So credit to LaFleur, gets his team playing well in December, and the Packers are creeping into playoff contention in the NFC. Yeah, let's look at who they have coming up here. The the Green Bay Packers are six and six, and they're not going to catch the Lions in the NFC North, but you mentioned the playoffs. So, so the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and then they finish with the Vikings and Bears. Very doable. Very if, doable, in my opinion. If the season ended today, the Packers would be in the playoffs. They're the seven seed. They win a tiebreak over the Rams because of head-to-head, and they use the division tiebreak to uh, Seattle and uh, the Rams. Seattle gets the nod over the Rams because of the division tiebreak. So right now, Green Bay is seventh. They're in the playoffs right now. And this is like, you know, this is just the Ken Jordan Love play year. So that's like, it's house money if you're a Packer fan right now. Good for you. For sure. Absolutely. Now the Chiefs, I mean, now they're eight and four. Like I said, they're behind the Dolphins and the Ravens in the AFC playoff picture. And holy cow, like what's going on? They have the Bills next week. Then they go to the Patriots. They have the Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers to finish. So not really a murderer's row after next week, but you lose the game against the Buffalo Bills, and then all of a sudden you're 8-5? and five. That's a problem. What do you think about the Chiefs moving forward? I think the Chiefs got lucky that Russell Wilson threw an interception in the end zone at the end of that game because yeah. otherwise Denver would be 7-6, and six and the Chiefs would be 7-5. Uh, and five. Excuse me. Denver would be 7-5, and five, and the Chiefs would be 8-4, and four, and then it's like, wait a minute. Maybe they don't have this division on lockdown. It has not been one of these dominating Chiefs years like we have seen in the past. I think that they're, the, the Mahomes contract has had them thinned out their roster a little bit because they've had to let some people go. Obviously, Tyreek Hill being one of them. I know they won the Super Bowl last year, but you have to. It, it's a tough ask to make Mahomes be Superman every single week. He has Kelsey, but he just doesn't have enough help on the offensive side of the ball other than that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They're going to have some... In the offseason, they're going to be looking for some receivers, that's for sure. Let's talk about the the Russell Wilson-led Broncos and a really fun game to watch. It was back and forth. The Houston Texans find a way to win. C.J. Stroud doing the thing. And like you said, the Broncos were in striking distance there at the end of the game, and Russell Wilson throws a pass, which is intercepted, which seals the win for the Texans. Texans improve their record to 7-5. and five. Denver, their streak is broken, and they are now 6-6. Six and six. Rob, what do you think about this game? I think we got bad Russ in this game. Here are the Broncos drives in the second half. Three plays minus six yards punt. Three plays, seven yards punt. They scored the touchdown to make it 16-10 Houston. Yay. After that, interception, touchdown, interception, interception. You can't throw three picks in the second half and win. Right. You're just you're not going to do it. And it's it's surprising because they seem like they were gaining some momentum and picking things up a little bit, but they they really lost up. This would have been a big, big win for Denver. Big opportunity, but they couldn't pull it out. In the meantime, Texans, they are seven and five. They keep their playoff hopes very much alive in the AFC, which seems to be wide open. As you look at some of the other results around the the, the conference, we'll get to those games here in a bit. We talked about Houston a lot. They have a, a pretty favorable schedule coming up. Jets, Titans, Browns. Titans Colts to finish it up. It's, it'll be really interesting as for Denver six and six, not out of it yet. They have the chargers next week, but then they have the lions Patriots uh, chargers again and finish up with the Raiders. Uh, CJ Stroud, 
he's he's I think he was playing a little banged up in this game, if I recall, and uh, made enough plays. His, his accuracy on the run is out of this world. Is out of this world. He he's a phenomenal young quarterback. He's unbelievable. He had, I mean, the hope in Houston has got to be just through the roof. CJ Stroud had a four yard pass in this game. It was incredible. He drops back to pass. He's under pressure. He's falling away, rolling out to his left and just throws it up and just lobs it up nicely and perfect placement over the defender right in the receiver's hands. He's incredible. The only bad thing for the Texans on the day, Tank Dell is going to be out for the rest of the season with a broken Uh. leg. And he was at, I mean, that combination of Stroud and Tank yes. Dell was, you know, the, the hopes of Houston were riding on those two guys. So that's awful, awful news. But hopefully he comes back strong. But, I mean, it the arrow is sky high for the Texans right now. And it's great to see because the league is better when you have really good young quarterbacks. Absolutely. And another AFC South team that just won't go away is the Indianapolis Colts. Minshew Mania is running wild on Indianapolis as they win 31 to 28 in overtime over the Tennessee Titans. This was one of those overtime games where the Titans went down and kicked a field goal. And don't worry, Minshew Mania brought them down, scored a touchdown to win it and ended 31-28. The Indianapolis Colts don't look now they're seven and five. I had to do a double take. I was like, holy cow, the, the Colts are seven and five. <laughs> where did I miss? What did I miss? It seems like I missed something. No, they're just playing good football. What do you think about the Colts, Rob? They've got better pieces than I initially gave them credit for. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is great. I've always been a fan of Minshew. I don't think he's like, you know, your franchise guy, but as yeah, a backup yeah. quarterback, I think he, I would that's the guy I wanted the Niners to get was Gardner Minshew because he can win some games for you. And Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, man, they can play and Josh Downs. I just, I should throw him in there too. They can play. Like they have legit pieces there in Indianapolis. And I love Shane Steichen. I like what he's doing on, you know, offensively for them. And they're not a bad team. Like they have lost their starting quarterback for the year and they're still seven and five. So that tells you, you know, the strength of the roster there. Good on them. And Tennessee, yeah. like, what? Okay. What do you do? Like, I just, I think that Tennessee's, you know, they're at the end of this little era that they had here. They're going to have to blow it up. But good on the Colts. Good to see. Yeah, I mean, the, the Titans missed an extra point after DeAndre Hopkins touchdown, which really messes up all the scoring. I think Derrick Henry left this game. He got hit pretty hard. I think he was in the concussion protocol. So weird game. Like you said, I agree with you about Tennessee. They, they just seem like the, the, they're, running out of, they're running out of paper, so to speak, on this era, and they're going to have to turn the page here soon. But the Colts, they're very much in the mix at 7-5. and five. Uh, We'll do our diligence here. They have the Bengals next week. Then they have the Steelers. Uh, then they go to the Falcons, Colts of uh, Colts and Raiders, and then finish with the Texans. That should be a big game, maybe in Week 18. We'll have to see if that plays out that way. Okay, we got to talk about some stinkers here. Let's talk about the Chargers and Patriots first. Uh, this was a an unbelievably exciting game, I'm sure, for people that watched <laughs> the, La- the Los Angeles Chargers go to New England. It was not good weather, pouring down rain. Six to nothing is the final score. I don't know what else to say. Six to nothing. Rob, what's your take on Bailey Zappi and the Patriots or the Chargers not charging this one away? Here are the final scores of the Patriots' last three games. They lost to the Colts, 10 to 6. They lost to the Giants, 10 to 7. They lost to the Chargers, 6 to nothing. The Patriots' defense has not given up more than 10 points in a game in three straight weeks, and they have lost every single one of those games. That's how bad 
the offense for New England has been, whether it's been Zappy, whether it's been Mac Jones, just it's just inept right now. It is inept offense in New England. And it's that's why they only have two wins on the season. Oh, my gosh. So this has me as a Steeler fan just ready to vomit uh, Thursday night football, which is going to be Patriots at Steelers. Oh, (laughs) you're welcome, Rob. You are welcome. I am trying to Rob. See if you can find the the total on that contest. Like I'm the line's got to be out already. But I just this is going to be a absolute snooze fest so much. So like the, the Patriots have no one on offense. To the point that last Thursday night, last Thursday night, when they're running the promo for the following game, they've got TJ Watt for the Steelers and Bill Belichick. (laughs) That tells you all you need to know. Jeez. When you're what is what is the total for the Thursday night game? Do you have it? It's 32. That's high. 32 is high. That's basically what you're talking about. 16 points for each team. The Patriots aren't getting there. The Steelers, the Steelers are favored right on either points in the game. How many? Six. What? Yes, that is <laughs> wild to me. It's just, it is so crazy how it has gone so bad for New England, and I just think that they don't have Tom Brady, obviously, but I think it just throws into sharp relief the problems that Bill Belichick has as a general manager, as a team builder. He's not a good personnel guy. He's not. Even when they had Brady there, they were getting by with you know. Dion Branch type players. It's it was too much of that, and and now that Brady's gone, there's nothing there to pick up the slack. And so this is what you get. I mean, look at their roster. They have no weapons in New England. They don't have a single offensive weapon. And banged up Juju Smith Schuster is like the most high profile name that they have, and that's not saying much. We'll put it that way. So. Let's talk about the the other side of that Thursday night game this week. That's the Steelers who lose to a Cardinals team 24 to 10 that had not won on the road since 2022. And uh, they had only won two wins coming into this game. This game was odd. There were two weather delays. This game felt like it took an eternity. And it wasn't just because the Steelers sucked it up in the game. It just took forever. I mean, there's games at the one o'clock slate that were finishing the Steelers were still stuck with seven minutes left in the third quarter because of these weather delays. But the Arizona Cardinals, they played hard. The Steelers did not. 24 to 10 is your final. That's pretty indicative of the game. Yeah, and, and now Kenny Pickett's hurt, and he's yep. going to be out for a few weeks. I think he needs ankle surgery, right, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, the, the, he was having an evaluation today, Monday, okay. uh, but that is an option. They said two to four weeks is the likely timeline. And it's look, it's a weird game. There was two weather delays. It was almost like a second halftime in the game. And uh, but this is kind of who Pittsburgh has been all year. Right. I mean, they have a good record. They have a good win loss record, but it's not like they were blowing teams out and their offense is always going to struggle. And they struggled in this one. Yeah. And it's it's definitely one of those situations where when you look at the Steelers, uh, they're, they're not a, well, they're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. And I wouldn't even put them in the good team category. They are a team that only if one or two things don't go their way, they're done. And so when you look at the way this game started, the Steelers go down the field, they're driving, they're in the red zone. You're thinking, okay, put up seven. No, they settle for a field goal. Okay. They get the ball back, drive down the field. They have a fourth and a fourth and goal from the one yard line. Yep. Kenny Pickett got hurt the play prior. So here comes Mitch Trubisky Steelers go shotgun, which I hate. They hand the ball off to Najee Harris. He runs into a wall of offensive and defensive linemen, does not make it. So you're thinking, okay, that's, hey, I'm going to go for it there anyways because I'm going to trust the defense is going to make a stop. The Cardinals go 99 yards 
and actually scored two touchdowns. Trey McBride scored one that was taken away, which should have counted. They throw it to him again, <laughs> and he scores. And believe it or not, all the air left that stadium, and it, the game was not the same after that. And the Steelers are, like I said, they're they're a mentally fragile team, and so they never came back from that. And eventually, James Conner got going. They couldn't stop the run. Injuries started to pile up uh, on the offensive line. Mitch Trubisky was ineffective. And you get beat by 14 points by the lowly Cardinals. That's how it works. Yeah, that 99-yard drive by the Cardinals chewed up basically the last five minutes of the first half. So it was, yep. it was double whammy because not only did they stop the Steelers, but they kept the, de- the Steelers' defense on the field in the ensuing drive and stuck it in the end zone for a touchdown. And like you said, when your margins for error are that small, you just you can't have those two drives back to back. That's a killer. It absolutely is. I don't want to talk about this game anymore. So let's go on to the (laughs) the Detroit Lions and the New Orleans Saints. This was in New Orleans. The Detroit Lions came out red hot in this game. I mean, they came out and they they were putting up points. They scored 21 first quarter points, but the Saints came back. Derek Carr leaves with an injury. Jameis Winston comes in. They make a comeback, but it's just not good enough. 23, I'm sorry, 33 to 28 final score. The, the Detroit Lions continue to keep their foot on the gas nine and three. They're very much in the mix. We didn't talk about them earlier. We talked about the Eagles, the Niners, and the Cowboys. We didn't bring up the Lions. Should we, Rob? They're absolutely in contention for the number one seed because their schedule is Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings, the rest of the way. So they're going to have an opportunity here for sure to be in the mix for the top seed. And, you know, this got really scary for them because they have not played well in recent weeks. They've been turning the football over. They just they really look like a shell of the team that we had seen earlier in the season. And it got dicey because the Saints start coming back. And I give credit to Detroit because they didn't collapse. They didn't fold in the game and they easily could have. I mean, the Saints score a touchdown on a 12-play, 75-yard drive to make it 33-28, and then the Lions go three and out. And you're like, oh, man. Saints get the ball back with just under six minutes to go in the game. Now, I know it's Jameis Winston, but still, it's a scary, scary situation, and the defense held. Fourth and six at the 40, Jameis Winston throws incomplete, and that's the game. So the Lions showed a little medal there, and they deserve credit for it. Yeah, and th- that lion, that Lions Cowboys game is really looming large there in Week 17. It's going to be that 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 could be a huge game. Don't over underscore the Broncos and Lions in two weeks though. That's going to be another good game because the Broncos are playing tough. Unfortunately, I don't. If I'm putting money down, I'm not putting the Lions in the mix for the top seed. I just don't think they're of that echelon yet. But they are they they are what the record st- says they are, and they're they're a good football team. And you got to find a way to win the ugly ones sometimes. We'll see how things play out there. The Saints, on the other hand, they just can't get anything going. And even in the NFC South, which is, I think the leading team is six and six. They're five and seven. And yes, they're still in it. And I'm sure the Saints faithful uh, will definitely talk about how they still have playoff aspirations. But man, it's a bad team. It's a bad team and they're getting worse because they lost Derek Carr in the fourth quarter. He had a back shoulder and a head injury on one hit from Bruce Irvin. So the trifecta. Yeah, like that's a car accident <laughs> injury, right? Like th- you get multiple injuries like that when you are in a car accident. That is not supposed yeah. to come from your day job. But uh and look, maybe if he had stayed in the game, the, the Saints would have completed the comeback. Who knows? But you were never, I mean, I don't know what the long-term plan was with Derek Carr. You're never competing for a championship with Derek Carr. Now he's out. Now it's some combination of famous James Winston and Taysom Hill. And this is what the Saints are going to be the rest of the year. 
they'll play some games tough. They'll be in some games. They'll make some things interesting, but they're a 500 middling type of team. Yeah, when Taysom Hill's your leading rusher, 13 carries for 59 yards, when you have Alvin Kamara on the roster, it's just not a recipe for success. So, okay, let's go to the other NFC South team, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, another dud of a game. Uh, 13-8 to final score over the New York Jets. The Jets offense just continues to sputter its way. And Aaron Rodgers, why would you even come back? I don't know. Uh, We'll talk about that. But Atlanta, 6-6 and again. They're right there in it. Uh, Last I checked, um, I think they're tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Tampa Bay's 5-7. and So Atlanta's leading the NFC South at 6-6. and What's your takeaway from this game? This is just terrible. The Jets are terrible. <laughs> the Falcons are slightly less terrible than the Jets. That's my takeaway. I mean, it's absurd how I said, you know, the Patriots offense was inept. I mean, the Jets are, they're worse. They are worse. They All they needed was one touchdown in the game. Just give me something. Hell, the defense is putting up points. The Jets had their third safety of the year in this game. They just need anything, any contribution whatsoever from the Jets offense, and they're not getting it week after week. It's like the Jets are playing on a skill level that is just too difficult for them in Madden. Like, they need to turn it down to pro on offense. Like, they can't do it. They just, it's comical. Even a first down is like pulling teeth for this Jets offense, and it has to be deflating for the defense. It has to be because the defense is so, so good. If Aaron Rodgers was on this team, we I, the Jets would be a scary team. They would be such a scary team if Aaron Rodgers was playing because this defense is really good. And the fact that they're doing what they're doing with an offense that's just basically going three and out every single time they get the ball is a credit to them. But you can't win games like that in the league. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is actually going to come back this year? No, no, I don't think. He, I think it's all him wanting to thumb his nose at the medical establishment because that seems to be his biggest priority nowadays. I think it's all a joke. He's going to say, I could have come back, but we were out of it. And whatever. Okay, dude. See you later. I have questions if he actually ruptured his Achilles because I've, I've, as a trainer, I've actually helped people rehab that injury. I don't know what medical procedure he had. The people that I helped, and I'm talking about really fit people as well, and it's not like, oh, yeah, three months later, I'm back there. Let's go play some NFL football. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I, <laughs> I don't know. But, man, yeah, it's it's just weird. When I saw that, I was like, why is he doing this? Like, this team's not going anywhere. Why would you risk further injury? It makes no sense. Well, and not only that, but I, I'm all set. I don't need the Aaron Rodgers medical updates. I don't need to know that Aaron Rodgers is on the field before the game throwing. They've opened up the 21-day practice window. for Great. The Jets are 4-8. and eight, Okay, they're 14th in the AFC right now. It doesn't matter. Even if he comes back and he plays like Aaron Rodgers, ain't doing nothing this year. Yeah. It's over. So spare me with the breathless Aaron Rodgers updates. Let him do his McAfee hit on Tuesdays and just fade off into obscurity in the offseason. That's the way I feel about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods plays in a golf tournament, finishes second to last, even par behind 20 under, and yet we were inundated with Tiger hitting a tee shot and wearing a red shirt. It's like, he's not even <laughs> in contention. What do we do? <laughs> yep, because that's the only thing interesting about the Jets. Like, that, Yeah, no, you're right. It. That's the most interesting thing about the Jets is an injured player throwing warm-up passes on the field before a game. <laughs> Gotta love New York media. All right, let's 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 go to a team that's actually vying for a really, but maybe the first round, uh, first round buy in the AFC. That's the Miami Dolphins. They go into Washington and they beat the Commanders forty-five to fifteen. Ron Rivera calling the defense doesn't matter. Not against uh, Tua and company. Tyreek Hill goes off. 
They had, I think, one of the best celebrations, touchdown celebrations after a Tyreek Hill uh, touchdown where they all sat behind each other and they actually looked like they were getting on a roller coaster. It was actually pretty funny. Like it was well scripted. They all did it good. It was it was good. What did you think about the Dolphins who are now nine and three? That's the biggest problem for the Dolphins is like, how are we going to come up with enough touchdown celebrations? Because we're going to put up for it. I mean, against bad teams, this is what Miami does. They absolutely just put you in a blender. And imagine if you're the commanders, you're like, oh, we okay. We can't let Tyreek Hill beat us. And then he comes out and goes five for 157 with two touchdowns, including a 78 yarder. It's just, it's got to be utterly demoralizing when you spend all week trying to stop the Dolphins from big plays and they come out immediately in the game and score a 78 yard touchdown pass with nine and a half to go in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, the commanders are, they're, they're done. Let's not even talk about that for now. Let's talk about the Dolphins and if they can get that top seed. So you look at what they have coming up, the Titans, no, that's a Monday nighter, by the way. That's no good. Then they have the Jets, then the Cowboys, then the Ravens, and they finish up with the Bills in week 18. Now, the Bills might not have much to play for if things don't go their way, but nonetheless, that's going to be a huge game. This is a really tough stretch for Miami. Do you think they have it in them based on what we've seen when they play quality teams this year, Rob? That's the question, right? Because the first time they played the Bills, they got annihilated 48 yep. to 20. They got annihilated by the Eagles, 31-17. They lost to the Chiefs, 21-14. That's a one-score game. It's, you know, okay. You, you lose a one-score game to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to ding you for it. But they haven't played a ton of quality opponents. And when they have, they've lost two out of three. And they certainly haven't looked like the powerhouse offense that we have seen them look like against the Scrubs in the NFL. So when I see Cowboys, Ravens, Bills to finish the season, if, the, if Miami went 0-3 in that stretch, at this point, you can't say you'd be shocked. So we're going to find out about the Dolphins as we get down the stretch here. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, the Sam Howell sack update, he was sacked three times in this game for 20 uh -oh. yards. So I don't know what his total is. I don't have that in front of me, but uh, we're keeping tabs. I, I want to see if he can break that record. We'll see. I don't. It, so he is on the season right now. He's at 58. And what's the record? Uh, I think it's 72 by Derek uh, David Carr. Excuse me, David Carr uh, with the Texans back in the day. Let me just double check that because I want to give people uh, 76. Excuse me. Carr with 50, 58. Yeah. So Ooh. he's going to earn it <laughs> by the end of the year. And the problem, too, for Washington, like if they're down by a bunch, he's got to pass. So he's going to yeah. have opportunities. It, it is a I'm sure it's a record he wants no part of. And uh it stinks for him because I like Sam Howell, but nobody deserves a beating like that. I'm rooting for you, Sam. Break that record, buddy. All right. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An actual, it was an entertaining game, I guess, if you're an NFC South fan. We Buccaneers win 21 to 18. This was the Panthers after Frank Wright getting fired, which broke, I think, last week. Uh, or maybe it's two weeks ago. I can't remember. They all run together. The Carolina Panthers are 1 and 11. Tampa Bay improves to 5 and 7. Mike Evans does Mike Evans things. And uh, the Buccaneers stay afloat in that crappy division. What do you think, Rob? The Panthers are a dumpster fire. I'm surprised David Tepper didn't fire three more people after the game. <laughs> um, look, the, good for Tampa Bay. Like, these are the games you got to win. You're, you're still trying to do something if you're Tampa. I don't think the Bucs have been terrible this year. You know, they've played some good, yeah. good games, interesting games, tough games. And they're not as bad as the Panthers. That's basically what it comes down to. The Panthers are just awful. Just yeah. oh, this is like such a forgotten season because not only are you one and eleven, not only are you winless on the road, but it doesn't look like Bryce Young can play. Like he hasn't given you 
even a glimmer, a flash, nothing with your guy that, you know, your rookie quarterback here, that's the most depressing part at all. If your rookie quarterback's playing well and you're losing games, whatever, you that's okay. You can build off of that. But now it's just like, I, I don't know what there is there. And they traded their first round pick next year to the Bears, did they not? That's right. So then you really, you know, you really got to question the Salt direction. The yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're like, oh, don't worry. But 111 will get the top pick. Oh, what? We traded that to Chicago? Damn it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, we can get another guy to pair with, you know. Yeah. It's like, nope. You're just, no. You're just going to be bad instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I, I guess there's no need to talk about that game too much anymore. Let's go to the final game on Sunday's slate that we have not discussed yet. That's Browns and Rams. Joe Flacco returns to the National Football League a week after signing to the practice squad with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, being in the concussion protocol and not cleared to play. They did not go with P.J. Walker, who beat the 49ers earlier this year. They went with Joe Flacco off the street. Joe Flacco does Joe Flacco things. It was actually close in the fourth quarter, and then Flacco throws an interception. And then after that, the Rams run away with it, 36-19. to 19. Rob, any takeaways? How'd you like to be Joe Flacco coming into this game off the street? And then it's like, all right, Joe, go throw 44 times. <laughs> I know you don't even know the names of the guys that you're playing with, but we want you to throw it 44 times. It, it's it's sad. How the Rams season, uh, the Rams, excuse me, the Brown season has gone because with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and that defense, they look like they could have been a competitive team. But I think you're just starting to see it's just too much adversity for Cleveland now. I think they're just going to continue to fall out of it. It's unfortunate for that fan base, but you know, sometimes that's the way it goes in seasons. And the Rams, I think the Rams are making the playoffs in the NFC. I really, really? do. I keep telling people. Sean McVay is a really good coach and Matthew Stafford is a really good quarterback. Stafford 23 of 37 in this game, three touchdowns, no picks. They're starting to run the ball a little bit. They ran the ball for almost five yards per carry in this game. You give Sean McVay a running game. You give him a quarterback that can actually throw the ball around. And Matt Stafford's one of the most talented throwers in the league right now still. And Oh, by the way, Puka Nakua, four catches, 105 yards touchdown in the game. The Rams are going to be heard from before the year is all said and done. You look at the rest of their schedule. They have these bookend really tough games. So you've got the Ravens next week in Baltimore. At the very end of week 18, they have the 49ers in San Francisco. And the middle is are all winnable games. Commanders, Saints, and Giants. That's it. So even if they lose those bookend games and win the final three, they're going to be in the mix. They'll be in the mix. Whether they get in the playoffs, a lot of that's going to depend on probably tiebreakers and things of that nature but uh yeah it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here but you you like you like the rams i don't what about the browns what do you think about that game that do you think they have a chance anymore in the afc with they're still seven and five which is notable but i don't know if it's if it's going to be enough i think they're out of quarterbacks i mean yeah. joe flacco off the street like i'm sorry that's not going to be good enough i know that defense is good but they still got to play the Jags. They still got to play the Texans. The Jets defense is good enough to give them problems. And they have Cincinnati at the end of the year, which obviously would know Joe Burrow. That game looks a lot different. But I just think I think they're going to fall out of it. And I think the rest of the AFC is going to come up and just sort of it's going to be like a golfer on Sunday. It's like, yeah, you might drop a couple of strokes, but everybody else is going to pick up a couple. And that combination is just going to be yeah. too much for you. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the conference for both sides and this, this will wrap up the week for us and we talked about how there's like this top tier and then there's a whole bunch of nothingness and yep. then there's bottom tier teams. 
And there was a stint in the middle of the season where it kind of was like, wow, like these teams are really moving around. Maybe we were wrong. No, we're, we were right. We were right. We were right all along. You have the Miamis, you have Baltimore, you got Kansas City, and then you have a bunch of other stuff in the middle. And then you have like the the Jets and the Titans and the Patriots. And then, then you look at the NFC, it's Philly, San Francisco, Detroit, and Dallas. And then after that, like, what is it? It's literally nothing. Like, I mean, you you look after that and you're like, yeah, Minnesota, Green Bay's flat hot, and just been, talked about the the Rams, the Seahawks. It gets nothingness. <laughs> It's a bunch of mid. It really is. You've got 500. Atlanta Falcons are the four seed at six and six, which is terrible. The Vikings, six and six. The Packers, six and six. The Rams, six and six. The Seahawks, six and six. It's a mid-off in the NFC once you get past the top uh, four teams. And it's almost the same in the AFC, except some of those teams are seven and five and not six and six. Right. And and falling fast. Yes. C, Steelers slash Browns. Yeah, I, they, <laughs> I could easily see both of those teams falling out of it and maybe the Colts rising up or Denver or Houston or maybe yeah. even Buffalo if they can get their stuff together. So, yeah, I think the it, there's going to be a bigger shift, I think, in the AFC than in the NFC. But I think what you're saying is right. All right, Rob, what's your final thoughts from the week that was? Uh, Niners are the best team in the league. They're never losing <laughs> another game forever and ever. Crown them right now. No, I <laughs> He's already booking in Super Bowl flights. <laughs> I'm I'm so like my emotions this season. They beat Dallas in week five, and I was like, they're going to the Super Bowl. Like I started talking to you about like, hey, am I gonna go to the Super Bowl and all this stuff? And then they lose those three games, and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I was talking about the Super Bowl. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> now they've won every game since the bye. They destroy the Eagles on their own field, and I'm like, We're going. I'm booking the tickets. <laughs> it's weird, yeah. Hey, that's the beauty of fans for sports network to me is that we're not, you know, masquerading around as like these people that are not the, you know, we're, we're not fans. We are fans. We want our teams to win. We're going to celebrate when they do. We're going to be dejected and pissed off when they don't. Yep. We don't have to say like, we're going to remain neutral. No, screw that. You want the 49ers to win. I want the Steelers to win. That's the beauty of this thing. So Rob, why don't you tell everyone where they can find that 49ers coverage and where they can find you on social media? So I'm on all the socials at stats on fire. But if you want the 49ers coverage, more importantly, go to the gold standard 49ers podcast network, YouTube channel, and you can find us everywhere. You get your podcast, Just search gold standard 49ers. We pop right up. Uh, we do daily shows every day. We're live on YouTube. So please, please check us out. If you want to learn more about the 49ers or you're a Niner fan, you're looking for a new podcast. Cause there's a lot of people that only listen when they win. So we're happy to have you please come aboard. It's a big week for you all coming off that Philly win Steelers. God help us on Thursday night. But if you want to listen to the Steelers content, you can check us out on the steel curtain network, wherever you get your podcast search Steelers, you will find us in the top four. And then also uh, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, everywhere you get your Steelers coverage. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, whatever the hell we're calling it now at J Hartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T Rob, as always, it's been fun. Thanks for your time. Man. We'll talk next week. Sounds good, Jeff.